So, welcome back to the Healthy Conversations with your health coach. Uh, episode one with Yaz was pretty good. Um, I hope you got something from it. I know I did. And uh, yeah, today we're going to do episode two. So, episode two is going to be more about health and just going to be me speaking about something very on topic at the moment, which is obesity, and um, just sort of touching a little bit on the government the government's guidelines to help in obesity and whether we can sort of like pick it a little bit and you know maybe add a little improvement so it's a bit more effective because I think at the moment the guidelines are very much a, a band-aid really with not a lot of focus on the individual it's a lot still a lot of focus on just a lot of put, putting out information there's not actually any action so it's interesting to see so Let's talk about obesity. So what is obesity? So first things first, obesity is when your BMI is between 30 to 39.9. Now anything above that is seen as morbidly obese. So that's like being super obese. Um, obese. Which is also not very good. Um, now I know a lot of people slate the BMI scale. But for me, it's actually really good for the general. I prefer it for a general population. Now, if you're an athlete, obviously it doesn't really uh, apply to you. So, obviously, if you're like a prop forward in rugby, or you're just a general rugby, rugby player, or just a bodybuilder, or anything like that, any sort of strength sport, obviously BMI and weight doesn't really account to you. So, yes, BMI is not good. But for general population, I think it's actually quite a good measurement to use to help guide and uh, give people sort of a focus and uh, and a goal to work towards. Because obviously, the healthy healthy weight is between 20 to 25. Um, well, healthy BMI between 20 and 25, depending on how tall you are. Um, so yeah, so people that hate the BMI, I mean, I think I, I just I've just those that are just athletes or bodybuilders or anything like that. So for me, obviously, I work with a lot of general population. I don't work with any sort of high end professional athletes, strength athletes, or anything like that. So the BMI is a really good start for all my sort of clients. Um, why is obesity bad? Because obesity carries a lot of uh, different lifestyle um, diseases. If you have it for a long period of time, it also has some short-term effects as well. So, like things like increased rates of stroke, uh, developing strokes. Uh, sleep apnea is when you um, actually stop breathing while you're asleep. Um, things like liver disease, because also a lot of people that have obesity tend to drink quite a lot of alcohol as well. Um, it's linked to many different types of cancers. Um, type two diabetes, obviously, being a, a, having a huge increase alongside obesity, um, and that's just to name a few. I mean, there's so many others as well, like joint problems and arthritis and depression and increased risk of dementia, etc., uh, etc. Et so it carries a lot of different lifestyle diseases, both short and long term. So I think it's really good that the government also as well, if you it puts you more at risk if, if you get COVID, that you obviously puts you more at risk of dying from COVID. So obviously this is why the government have just have, have actually brought a bit of a spotlight onto obesity, which is great. But I do think it's a couple years too late, and they should have done it a lot earlier. Um, and it's just taken a pandemic from to actually get their ass into gear and actually put some sort of guidelines, some sort of structure on trying to tackle obesity. Now. You know what classes obesity now, and we know that's not great in the short term and long term. Um, so now you know why it needs to be tackled, really, um, because obviously you don't want to be, you know, getting ill and getting COVID and being obese. So it's good from the government, like I said. Um, so what are the government doing about it? So 
first thing they've done is they ban they're going to ban adverts sugary adverts uh before 9 p.m now you know it says unhealthy foods now what do you class as an unhealthy food i mean like because technically a mcdonald's a burger is really not unhealthy food but it is because the, the quality of the food is not great but i can already see the argument the government are going to put forward about how it's not an unhealthy food um so like i'm a little bit confused about what an unhealthy food means you know does that mean also they're going to ban like things like coke zero and diet coke because i mean they're obviously full of chemicals and um things that obviously can affect obesity as well um so yeah, I'm a little bit confused about what an unhealthy food is, you know. Um, so what what foods are going to slip through through that net of unhealthy foods? Um, you know, are we going to see fast food change totally? Like no more like KFC adverts, no more McDonald's adverts, no more uh, Harry Bar adverts, sweet adverts. Are we going to see, you know, are we going to see an increase in healthy food adverts? So things like, you know, increase in eating more vegetables. You know, I don't know how. It'd be interesting to see sort of how the marketing teams are going to develop like a real engaging uh, advertising scheme around um, healthy foods, um, you know, making apples more appealing to youngsters um, is going to be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, what will replace these unhealthy food adverts? You know, how are we going to replace these unhealthy food adverts with healthy food adverts that are actually appealing to people and actually are going to they're going to watch it and take it on board and actually go out and implement it? Um, so again, it's very much a band aid, very much relying on the psychology and the behaviours of an individual to change. Um, so there's no actual real action from the government to actually then implement some sort of change for these people once they've learned this information from the banned adverts so it's a great initiative and I've got to like what they're trying to do but there's going to be I want to, I would love to see like a total ban on like fast food adverts and um, stuff like that so it'd be interesting to see what what they'll do um, the buy one get one freeze going to stop buy one get one freeze on un again unhealthy foods um, so you know does that mean that maybe that they will start bringing in buy one get one freeze on say like fruits and vegetables and meats so you know if you buy one steak you get one free are they going to start doing that um are they going to do the same with blueberries because i love blueberries and i know they're super expensive it's like sometimes they're two pound fifty for a little punnet will they start doing you know buy one get one free on those sort of things we'll see because ultimately that's what they should do there is just switch it around so instead of getting like buy one get one free on like chocolates and biscuits and stuff like that it should be more buy one get one free on a pack of chicken or some steak and some meat or some fish or eggs etc 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 so again, it'd be interesting to see how they replace that because again, that needs to that needs to be the action. You can buy and buy one stop, buy one get one freeze on these unhealthy foods, but that's not going to stop people from buying these foods because it's already implemented in their behavioural eating behaviour of eating. So again, it's just a band aid on a problem already. Um, so yeah, again, the solution is to start bringing on these deals for slightly more healthier foods, slightly more higher protein foods, um, you know, fruit and veg and start bringing those buy one get one freeze around that sort of area. So people are more uh, more enticed in buying those more healthier foods. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, labeling calories, 
So obviously when you go, like then obviously that's obviously a thing now, but when you go out to eat in restaurants, they'll have on the menus the the, the calories for each meal. Now you know I'm not sure of the process and how they're going to calculate. I mean these restaurants are really going to have to sort of go out of their way and really have a look at their menu and work out the calories and the macros in each each individual meal. Um, which then you know got me thinking about open up to open up to restaurants really lying on these calorie intake on these calories. Um, these calorie numbers just obviously because you know if certain foods then become very high calorie then people are less inclined to go out and eat at these restaurants um, especially if they're trying to lose a bit of weight etc so I mean it's a great initiative and it should have been done ages ago but my big thing here is are we going to see restaurants lying about the numbers on their on their uh, menus so people do not people stop going to these restaurants I don't know um, and again as well like a restaurant is having is socially eating it should be a fun experience it shouldn't be a number counting experience you sh we should have the ability and the behaviors locked in already that you're able to choose and make the right choices without having to check the calories etc etc so like yeah again I think again it's another band-aid to a another band-aid on top of a of, of, of increasing problem um, the next one as well is interesting with the calorie calorie labeling on alcohols now I mean are we going to start labeling are you going to start seeing calories and selling a pint of beer so when you go to like a draft are they going to put the numbers of the calories of a pint so you can see it or is it just on bottled beers or on wines you know they're going to do the same for wines are they going to, if you ask for a large wine and they're going to tell you the calories as they're pouring it you know Again, it's, it's another way around the whole. It's another way around the problem. You know, are they going to start putting calories on like these fine wines? Uh, you know, that's probably not going to happen. So, again, it's only been really limited to bottled beer, and I don't think a lot of people drink bottled beer. Mainly people that when they go to the pub will drink pints. So, again, we'll see what happens. But I think it goes labeling alcohol and not putting it on the main alcohol that's consumed is it's not going to work it's just not going to work because not a lot of people drink bottled beer so we shall see but I mean is it really going to stop people if someone goes oh it's going to be a f 300 calories for a bottle of beer are they going to not drink the, are they then they're going to stop drinking it probably not you know um, because you people go out for a beer they have one or two and then before you know it they're three or four deep and then that's it so I'm not too sure whether that's a, a positive or a negative thing. I mean, it might make people more aware at the start, but as things go on, you know, will they just sort of forget about it? Um, and again, it's another band-aid, really, um, because you know, people's drinking cultures are drinking behaviours are already, you know, implemented into their life. So they're not actually changing anything there's no action there there's just information again so it's more information and no action so we'll see it'll be interesting to see what happens um, that's only I only picked a few out there's a couple of more but they're probably the main ones I think like have the biggest effect um, but we'll see and this interesting quote from I only took a little like the lit this bit which was the first bit of this Matt, Matt Hancock's the health secretary's little quote and comment it said it's hard to lose weight well if you're going to say that, then it is hard to lose weight. People are going to think, yeah, it's really hard to lose weight. You know, he could have worded that so much better. Um, so, but it's actually not that hard to lose weight. It just requires like a little bit of focus on like 
behaviors and making them more consistent and sustainable so like again if you're looking at someone who's who's suffering from obesity you know instead of going right you're going to go from eating heat you know if they're eating all the foods in the world and then going down to real calories in a real calorie restriction that's not sustainable for that person because the behaviors don't match up to the to the plan because they've gone from you know eating all the sugary foods now you're going to take it all away they won't last it's not sustainable so you know more focus you know more focus on movement more focus on sleep is needed as well you can't just always focus on calories and, and energy and energy balance it has to has to be a focus on the actual total lifestyle of, of these people you know because that's ultimately the lifestyle the change in lifestyle is going to be the, the the longer in the longer gain yeah um, too much focus on the numbers is only a really short-term solution because over time their negative behaviors slowly creep back in so again his wording is awful there um, and he's made it sound like it's like losing weight is a huge challenge but it really isn't it really isn't that hard um, it's just a few little changes in behaviors that make a big difference so um, the other thing as well is I missed out as well is I hope the government will have a, also look at the, the, the office environment because obviously a lot of you know we, people spend a large percentage of their life or their week working sat down all day activity levels are very very low so there's a lot of focus on the food but really as well the activity needs to increase as well and I think the government need to introduce a guideline with it comes to corp like corporations and getting these uh, big corporations and um, improving the work environment in terms of activity level. Um, you know, we focus more on sort of like employees getting more self time. Because um, definitely, a, this, this sort of uh, coronavirus in, like uh, situation is a lot has definitely given people a lot more sort of self time to work on themselves in terms of like uh, movement and uh, eating well. But obviously, when things start to go back to normality and people start going back to that work environment, that sort of nine to five, you know, that's going to be taken away. So technically, you're going to go back to the sort of square one, really. So interesting to see whether the government um, are able to implement like a, a work activity sort of uh, incentive as well where um, you know big companies will take or companies will just take on board that maybe we should give you know at least an hour and a half to two hours a day of self time so people can go to the gym or go for a run have a shower get ready eat that you know eat properly and then you know get back to work um, so yeah, or maybe they start, maybe they start work to work later. Maybe start at ten, so it gives people more an opportunity to to get their workouts in the morning. You know, it's just if you can go down, there's a few little ideas I have in my head, um, but I think that's also a huge thing as well is, you know, looking at how you can improve where people spend the most time, um, and obviously that is obviously at work. So yeah, I'd love to have a little comment. Hopefully, maybe get Boris Johnson and then have a little conversation about that with him. We'll see. <laughs> Um, another thing as well is obviously it all starts at schools so like education on the key lifestyle behaviours and the effect of lifestyle on your health is huge and I just think like at school like especially with when I remember being at school we never even you know PE wasn't about physical education we didn't actually learn anything about physical anything it was all about just playing sport and just that was it you just played sport for an hour and that was it 
So I'd like to see maybe a change in like physical education actually being about that and about teaching kids like the importance, different types of movements and the importance of like aerobic fitness and strength training and, you know, working the glutes, mobility, you know, really drilling in those importance of that. Um, but also as well, focusing on like, you know, how to cook certain foods and what macros are and what vitamins and minerals are and um, how bad sort of like highly processed sugar foods are etc 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 so you know as they grow up and as they get older they're more aware of the powers of you know a healthy lifestyle and they'll make better food choices and they're able to you know plan and and do their own sort of exercise with better intensity and better awareness of intensity you know because especially you know in my generation you know high intensity high intensity training is very much a big trend at the moment and obviously it's not working because the levels of obesity increasing so something is not right there um so yeah it'd be interesting to see if the government will love you know the idea of bringing in like a lifestyle lifestyle class or actually making physical education about physical education not just you know chucking a ball around or playing different types of sports um so yeah definitely uh uh a little thought there as well um and also as well i mean like energy obesity is so much more than energy balance now a lot of these a lot of these health gurus out there will tell you that you know it's all about calorie deficit calorie in calorie out yes that is very much true but when it comes to obesity i think there's so much far past the energy balance conversation that it's all it is all about trying to get these people back into some sort of uh, positive lifestyle behavior healthy lifestyle behaviors you know it's about the small things you know it's about uh looking at you know increasing their sort of low intensity activity um you know looking at how they sleep you know looking at the habits and behaviors that they have at the moment in terms of their food and how they eat you know are they willing to practice that fasting intermittent fasting to help bring some sort of structure to their eating you know uh, are they what they're doing during the day to keeping their mind active because sometimes obviously you know with obesity that you've got you've got a big drop in activity level so their minds tend to wander a little bit more um, tend to get a bit more bored which then relates to f- the food you know are they happy within themselves mentally because obviously you know food is a reward some of these healthy foods do trigger a dopamine response which then makes you feel good you know but the problem is is a lot of these high sugary foods will make you feel good and then you start to crash and that cycle especially when you you suffer with obesity the cycle of that bad eating to uh feeling good to feeling bad to bad eating and that whole reward system is just out of whack a little bit so it's about looking at these little behaviors that need to be addressed as well in order to just to have more of a long-term sustainable effect um because again a lot of these sort of guidelines that the government are putting in are very much band-aids and very much a short-term uh, solution um and I'm, I'm very hopeful that they might build on these guidelines but um but yeah it's just it's just still not not the answer to to obesity really um and it's i just can't believe it's taken a pandemic to to bring some sort of awareness to to the ever increasing problem of obesity um and also as well you can put into that sort of category as well things like type 2 diabetes um and some of the also the mental health problems that go with it as well um so yeah i mean if i had my way the solution would be to train gps better 
to educate GPs better on the key lifestyle, you know, behaviors, you know, the actual effects of like walking and how easy it is to, to lose, you know, to increase your activities by increasing your steps, you know, recommending certain classes and certain um, activities, you know, uh, you know, really hammering the importance of sleep down to these people and having just a, a lot more sort of nutritional knowledge because these GPs don't, it's not their fault. I mean, I think I read they only get something like two hours of nutritional like uh, education, which, you know, is not, not really great. And, you know, we all know the powers of eating well and supplements and, you know, stuff like that. And these GPs just don't have the knowledge to give out the correct information. So, um, be interesting to see whether also as well that they might so at the moment obviously the health and fitness industry is very privatized in terms of like it's very much an accessory not a necessary not an, an accessory not a necessity and it should be really necessity to all humans really um, because coaching it just gives you that it's like having a teacher anything you know it's like getting a driving the driving instructor to drive you know you learn from these people and you get to the point where you've learned enough and then you can sort of get on with get on with your life and that's what coaching should be about it should be about you know uh improving the knowledge of these individuals so they're comfortable enough at a certain point on these on their journey that they can come away from you and then maintain a lifestyle for the long term for the rest of their life um so yeah, I just feel like it's a great start, but it definitely could be a it could be a lot better. Um, also, as well, things like do coaches drop their prices so the more in, or when I say drop their prices, actually probably a better idea would be, you know, will the government help fund? people who suffer from obesity you know pay sort of half towards having like a PT or a coach you know I know a lot of these companies I had a couple of clients from uh, Waitrose who actually they helped pay towards having PT sessions um, so maybe that's a thing as well I know it probably will cost a lot of money to the government but so does obesity each year so yeah maybe something like that maybe they subsidise people for PT sessions and um, and that's how they that's how they get you know access to these coaches because I mean you know it's gutting because as a fitness health and fitness industry surely we are um, failing if obesity and type 2 diabetes and all these things are going through the roof but yet the weight loss industry makes billions of pounds a year and people make some serious money off the weight loss industry but we still have an obesity problem so what is going on um, again a question I'd like to ask you know, all to, all, to all to my colleagues out there in the health and fitness industry, um, what is happening? Because you know, there's so much information out there. Um, so you know, social media is full of information. The internet is full of information. So what is happening? Um, to be honest, I think that a lot of these health and fitness industry, like companies and gyms and uh, stuff like that have really gone for more of the marketing and money side of it and they've lost the actual reason why these gyms and uh, coaches and stuff like that actually got into the industry from the first place to help help, help people and provide a service um, so yeah it's, 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 it's interesting because a lot of this like something like F45 for example and Barry's Bootcamp for example you know it's all about getting get out high intensity but these people that slightly overweight and obese can't go to these classes so therefore you're dropping participation so therefore 
you know, it discourages them from going into these classes. So, yeah, maybe, maybe the gym will develop. Maybe the government will develop some gyms that are, have more access to people that do suffer from obesity, and it's a little bit cheaper than the than the normal gyms. And you know, with that, there are specialised coaches in these gyms that offer a service that are paid by, say, the council and stuff like that to provide coaching to help these people. You know, for me, these are the, the long term um, solutions to the problem, not these little short term. We're going to add, you know, we're going to stop ban adverts. We're going to add calorie labelling. We're going to do this and do that. They're just not. They're not actionable. They're not. They're just information again. They're not actually actually actions that are going to stop and prevent obesity from happening so yeah I mean I've rambled on there and I've had a bit of a ramble for about 25 minutes now um, you know let me know any ideas you know of what you think um, you know any coaches out there that want to share some ideas I'm happy to, to have a discussion with you as well but you know just so you sort of get a better idea of like how you know what is good and what is bad when it comes to this obesity initiative you know if you know someone who does suffer from obesity you know, I highly recommend getting a coach. Um, you know, look for a, a good, good coach who can sort of really invest a lot of time um, into educating and showing. You know, that person that you know that you know it's not all about high intensity, starving yourself um, all the time. It's a slow, long process with you know low impact activities to start with. You know, slight calorie restriction, um, and as they lose, as they tend to lose the more the weight they tend to lose, the more you drop down your calories, and it's a very slow progress. It's not a a, a big drastic changes because again, this is not sustainable, and sustainability is the biggest word when it comes to obesity because someone can lose all of the weight, but if you haven't attacked the behaviours, then they're more likely to stick it all back on, and you're back to square one. So. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what the government announce. Um, so yeah, this is episode two of the Healthy Conversations. I am Jack, your host. I hope you sort of got an idea of how I feel about this situation, the, the guidelines coming out on obesity. Um, again, it's not, I don't hate them, but I just think like it's a short-term, uh, short-term answer to the pro- to the long-term problem. So um, so yeah, uh, hope you have a lovely day and uh, stay healthy. Oh, my God.